God is good. Amen. You know, um, uh, today I'm going to be talking about the, I'm going to be going through the commandments, the tender commandments. And um, this week is thou shalt not steal. So if there's any thieves, (laughs) I mean, the hardest thing about, uh, how how many have stolen something? Come on, you've stolen something in your life. How many have stolen a pretty big item? How many have stolen things online? Okay. The, the hardest thing about doing this sermon was organizing the police department to be here at the same time. <clears throat> so those of you who raised your hand the second time, would you please stand up and just go out there in the corridor? You'll be escorted over there. Don't be intimidated by the helmets. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, when, when I used to be a cocaine dealer many years ago before I came to Christ, I had police with uh, helmets about 30 of them delve into uh, our place. Uh, so it's a vivid memory for me. Now the police are my friend. Amen? Uh, I don't need to worry about it. The Bible says, you know, when you're a lawbreaker, that's when you need to worry about it. You know, all the commandments, you know, y'all should not do this, y'all should not covet, not commit adultery, not murder. All of those are surrounded by the thought of love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? That's what, that's, what, that's what God says. He summarizes it that way on purpose um, because he wants you to know that these commandments aren't here to beat up on you. They're not here to go, well, I don't want you to murder people because I'm an angry God. No, don't murder people because he made life. And God values the life, not just you, but also around you. We live in a culture that's me-centered, me, me, me. But God's concerned about your neighbor too. That's why he doesn't want you to covet your neighbor's wife. You picked the right church this morning, huh? There's a couple of you going, shut up. But, but you know, the thing is, it's not because God's just a prude. Um, you know, it's, you know, because you look at the animal kingdom and they don't have the same marriage rules that we do. Right? Isn't that true? And it's because we're made in the image of God. There's a, there's a oneness that he wants us to experience that is like the oneness that we're supposed to have with him. That's why it's so important to him. The stealing that I'm going to be talking about today is important to God because he wants us to be able to trust him, what he provides for us. He wants us to work within his economy the way he does things so that we can be blessed, so that we can have peace. Uh, Some of you have have had a life of crime like me in the past, and some, some of you might still be in a life of crime. And, you know, you get that feeling of uneasiness. You're always checking out the window. You're always looking behind you. There's a piece that takes away. And then so you take something to take away the piece and then the piece gets too much. So you get something to amp you up and pretty soon you're just driven by chemicals. And it's great not to be driven by chemicals. Amen. It's great to, to just know you're forgiven. And we're, we're not a Ten Commandment church in the sense that we're going to put this big sign up there to tell all of Utah, we believe in the Ten Commandments, and this is, this is who we are. Here's you, here's us, here's you, here's us. Because how many know that when it says, thou shalt not murder, how many of us have had murder or anger and rage in our hearts? Come on. You may not have acted it all out, but you've had it. We're all guilty. Amen. And that's why we're a Jesus Christ-centered church. Amen? We're not a pastor-centered church because I'm not the center of anything. Because of the fact that I didn't die for your sins and I'm not perfect either. 
I'm just another elder, leader, teacher, person giving my gifts to the body. Just as you are a person giving your gifts to the body. Our focus is on Christ. A, a little, a, just a review very quickly. Um, can everyone say, I am your God? This is the first one. I am the Lord, your God. This is God promising. And this is a, a quick summary. Is, is that God started these commandments by saying that he's the one who delivered them out of Egypt. So they're all predicated on, I brought you freedom. Why steal? I brought you freedom. Why covet things? I provided you. I took you out of that poverty. You know, don't turn to idols. Why? Because they don't work. Right? No matter what you have your focus in that's not the Lord, it will fail you. It will. I'm telling you, every year I look to the football season to end in these perfect playoffs. And even when my team finally wins, it's still not the personal exhilaration that I get by just spending a half hour with God in his presence. Don't misuse my name. Why take the most precious name of the life giver and turn it into uh, Jesus Christ in some casual way where it doesn't mean anything? Why not take that same name instead of saying, you know, gee, darn you. Why not say, Lord, bless this situation. A little twist and it becomes a prayer. Like Jody was talking about complaining. She, I was complaining about something. I don't remember what it was last week. And it was something small, but it was just kind of walking by her. And she goes, you know, God wants you to praise him. And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and then I just, I went in the garage, I was working on something, it was like, the Lord was like, you know, she's right. I go, yeah, Lord, but it's the principle I hate when she's right. But the thing is, it's like, no matter what I was doing, you know, so I ate something, then I did something, and I watched something, it's like I went through this whole ritual, and at the end, I was like, Lord, you are the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, in charge of my life. And all of a sudden, God goes, peace. Your problem wasn't horizontal, Eric. Your problem was vertical. You weren't trusting me, and anxiousness creeped in. And you began to worry. And worry took over, and worry turns into gossip, and worry turns into, you know, talking about things that you shouldn't talk about, and worry starts to destroy you. And it happens to all of us. There's no, we can't just point fingers, maybe for a moment. But then the finger, the plank is in your own eye. Remember the Sabbath day. You guys, God wants you to rest. Amen? He wants you to rest because he's in charge. Make that day holy. It doesn't have to be like you living in some Amish world. You know, it's just of putting that time where you go, I'm not going to get out there and work. I'm going to rest and watch the Lord work. It's so hard to tell people about this because... In a, in a room this size, most of you won't believe it. Or you were associating the, the Sabbath day with some past, you know, mandate from some religion. Rather than just understanding it as God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to rest. And he wants your workers and your kids and your donkey to rest too. Give your donkey a rest. Okay? Your boss needs a day off. I'm just kidding. Total joke. Honor your parents. Okay? It's important that we honor. Amen? Honor your parents. Honor those around you. Uh, and then again, you shall not. I know I just blew it, but that's okay. You shall not murder. God made life, and he doesn't want you to kill it. 
right? He says, don't kill the people that I made around you. I want this community to grow, value it, and then committing adultery. In other words, you're not trusting the provision that God's going to bring you. The grass is always greener on the other side. And trust me, if you go down that path, no matter what relationship you're in, there's always problems. Have you noticed that? There's always problems. You think, oh, man, and if you know, my wife's a pain, maybe for this woman... Trust me, that woman's got just as many problems. You know, it doesn't solve anything. But God's real intention here is a unity of relationship with him. He's saying you don't need to look around for provision. Trust me, right? We'll make you all the quotes, but there's some good ones in there. Might be a little too X-rated for Sunday, but they're in the Bible. Ah, yeah, and I won't say it. Someone will be offended. i got to be careful. Listen, um, let's start with the today, okay? Exodus 20.15, it's command number eight. Why don't you say it with me? Say, you shall not steal. Turn to someone and tell them. Just tell them. You shall not steal. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You shall not steal. Don't steal. I've stolen things. I've shoplifted as a kid. Um, you know, I've stolen things from companies. In fact, right when I came to Christ, I was working at Guitar Center. And if you get this on TV, I stole from Guitar Center. And I gave it back. You know? And, and the, I gave it to the boss and I go, man, here, man, I stole a bunch of stuff. Uh, and I did have a, a, a culprit with me selling stuff, but I won't point him out. But, and then we went back to, <laughs> like it isn't obvious. It's like, and then, and then we went back to the place, you know, went back to Guitar Center, and I was ta- Don Kelsey was our manager, and I said, man, I got to tell you something. I go, what? And I go, I just became a Christian. And I go, How? he goes, oh, well, that's nice. And I go, yeah, a couple days ago, I'm born again. And, and I started telling him how the Spirit of God was in me, and I started testifying to him. He's like, whoa, slow down, boy. And I go, and I stole a bunch of stuff from work. And I started emptying my pockets. <laughs> here's a guitar pedal. You know, here's this. And I just started handing him stuff. And then I just started witnessing to him. And I go, listen, if you want to press charges, I'm totally fine with it. I'll take whatever consequences I read. He goes, no, I'm not, not going to press charges. And I went, good. <laughs> I didn't want to have to kill you. That's thou shalt not murder. So you just saved me from sinning. Praise God. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but you, you know what? He, 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 was so, he didn't want to hear the witnessing anymore, so he just wanted to let it go as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know? But, but you know what? There's something about it that made me feel right that day. I felt like I had never trusted God with, I'd never trusted anybody with my resources before. And I was always terrible with money. And now here's God coming to my life, giving me a principle. And I just said, okay, I'm going to start applying it. My whole life's been like that. God shows me a principle, and, and then it's like he changes my soul and my heart, and then I begin to apply it. I, I, meet, I have a good friend now that I meet with from time to time, and I share something with them, and it changes it. You could tell. And this, you shall not steal is something. Can you just say from the heart? It starts in the heart. Jesus says, out of the heart come murder and adultery and fornication and all the things that, that, that aren't 
things that God, makes God just a prude, but it's theft. It it's comes out of the heart. You, you want something that someone else has. They have a gift that you have, so you want it. They have a wife or a husband, and so you want that. You know, they have a dog that you like, so you have it, or a dog you don't like, you know? And, and, and you, you covet, so you want that. You take it. You want to take it. This is where stealing comes in. God is the one who delivered you out of that stuff and wants to make you free where you can just trust him with provision. And so many people, it's so painful to watch people struggle with provision. It really is. And, and I can go across this room, and, and 99% of the time when people are not giving, and they're not putting God first with their resources, they're always struggling with their finances. It's, it's universal. It's, it's so heartbreaking as a leader because you can tell them over and over again, and they either will think you just want the money, or they'll find some scriptural way to razzle-dazzle around it. But if they really are honest, it's fear. It's fear. Fear is what pulls you away there. Stealing says you don't take what isn't yours to take, and it's don't give what isn't yours to give. In other words, you know, you're at work and you're giving away all the free stuff. That's not really giving. Giving is when you dig in your own pocket and give it away, something you earned. Do I hear an amen? You know, you're not generous with McDonald's food or with someone else's food. You're content with what you have. Hebrews 13.5 says it this way, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Can everyone say be content? Man, that's a hard one. Trust me, I'm just like you. I get, I want stuff, you know what I mean? And then I used to get magazines of like, you know, uh, synthesizers and things like that because I'm a piano player, keyboard player, and I'd sit there and look at them and I'd just sit there and go, ah, what if I could buy this thing? You know, and I just sit there and drool and daydream. And he says, he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord's my helper. I won't be afraid. What can mere man do to me? He's saying, be content with what you have. Man can't, doesn't control your life. God does. This is the sad thing. This is why God's so against stealing is because it's a sign of unbelief. Not giving is a sign of unbelief. What you're saying is, I don't believe God's ways. He can't do it. Well, how well do you do it? Think about it. And, and I realize, you know, people will not hear the sound of my voice. It's the way it is. You know, Isaiah, who send me, and he says, I'll send you to a people who won't be hearing and they won't be listening. It's, it's difficult sometimes because Jody and I oftentimes will think, they just grasp this principle. It'll change their whole life. I mean... Be free from the love of money. It's awesome. Amen. And you'll have more money than you ever thought you'd have. God, and it doesn't matter. God will take care of it. I, I've been riding the same crummy truck that I have for quite a few years. And when I made quite a bit of money back in my job in California, I always had the worst car in the parking lot. And I'd go to some business meeting, and I'd have this old, it was like 19, who knows what year, pickup truck, you know, and it was just beat to heck. And I'd be meeting with some guy in some fancy BMW, whatever, but I was richer. It's because I wasn't bad in need. Listen, I love air conditioning. I do. I love air conditioning. 
There's something about, I mean, I'd give up so many things just for air conditioning. (laughs) But I'd rather have the favor of God and sweat it out with no air conditioning. Seriously. And listen, when I say all these things, this is no condemnation. We're not under a curse. We have Christ. He took away the curse. Do I hear an amen? We are not under a curse. But when I go through this Old Testament scripture, we're going to see that the Israelites were under a curse. Okay, and he he says, keep falsehood, Proverbs 38, far from me, neither give me poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? This is King David speaking. He goes, or I'll become poor and I'll steal and I'll dishonor the name of my God. Dishonor. Can everyone say the name? It's like how I live, what I do with those things determine what I'm doing with God's name in the public square. You know, you want to, I want to be a witness for Christ. Why don't you be a better worker at Christ, in Christ? Amen? Be a better worker at work, and you'll be a better testimony. Right? You should be, I tell my kids all the time, and they, they, they really strive to do this. I go, you be the best worker whether you're getting paid for it or not. If you get paid this scale, don't work at this scale. Work at God's scale like you're making $100 million a year. Yeah, but I don't want to do this extra stuff. I'm not getting paid for it. So what? That's a person who's working for man. The man who works for God does it for God at all times. Right? Listen, I may be the worst preacher in the world, but can I tell you, this is my best. This is the best I have. I know this topic. I've studied it. I've prayed about it. I've prayed for you. I've thought about it. I've asked God to tenderize my heart. I've tried to weed out sin so I can have a pure heart when I've said it. Because I want to give you my best, and I want to do it for God first. And his heart is for you. So I better do it with some fear and trembling. Not in a sense of I'm afraid of God, but a sense of reverence and awe. I'm doing it for God. You're not doing it for your boss. If you're doing it for your boss, then God will treat it that way, and you'll make money according to your boss. You you treat your money in the same way that it's a worldly thing and you don't put God first in your finances, he'll let you have it. And then you'll just be in the economy. But if you want to be free from that, make God first. I realize every time I say this, I'll say this a few times. There's probably only 10 people that are hearing me when I say this. I mean, that aren't already living this. Probably 10. The rest, you'll hear it, you'll get excited for two weeks, and you'll step out, and then three weeks later, I've seen it my whole Christian walk, you will forget about it, and God knows when you first do it that you're only doing it for a couple weeks. It's not a life. If you become a person that says, I put God first with finances, resource, times, and talent, he'll know it. Number one, don't steal from others. Okay? I think that's pretty obvious. Letter A, not from the defenseless. He says, don't move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless for their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. God's saying, don't, if, if there is a generation that happens to be fatherless and they have a certain portion of land marked out, don't take advantage of that fatherless kid who probably has no responsibility and he's kind of, you know, running wayward. Don't take advantage of it to take his stuff. 
Keep it intact. He was so clear with this with King David. Even King David, when he was with the peasants, so to speak, would give them great respect unto God. He'd say, I respect this land. And we live in a cutthroat world rather than that. What can we take? We take advantage of our coworkers. And then, this is letter B, not from your workers. Now, it says people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. In other words, no one gets mad at somebody who has to take something. But if you're the boss and you got workers, you should look out for them. You should want them to prosper too. It doesn't always have to be totally equal and everything. I understand that there's gauges of risk, but sometimes you can just be generous. Amen? Everybody's worked with a boss who takes all the capital at the top. They get the profit sharing and boom, they get the, they get the chunk and they don't see their employees. You get the best companies that they share the wealth. I'm telling you, there's a principle there. God doesn't like it. You start stealing from the people that are under your power structure. You have the power to change it, but you hoard instead. And not from the government. I love, I love when the, the, the Pharisees come to them, to Jesus. They go, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He, he's calling them duplicitous because they're trying to trick him. You know, if he has homage to Caesar or not. And of course, you know, in the one story, you know, he takes the, you know, the, the fish, he takes the coin out and he says, give it to him. And here he says to them, he goes, show me a denarius. And he pulls out the money and he says, look, whose picture? And it's kind of like, oh, the president's, ah, oh, Caesar, Herod, that's on here. He says, give this, this is their inscription, give that to them. That's theirs. But give unto God what's God's. Look at your own, this is my inscription. I made in the image of God. I belong to God. Do I hear an amen? This, this, I'm, I'm engrafted in. We don't, we don't need to cheat the government. Yeah, but it's a big corporate entity. I don't even know if it exists. According to Article 64 of the Confederate flag. Okay. <laughs> you really think, let's say you're right. You really think being generous is really going to hurt you in God's eyes? God's going to go... You didn't read Article 465 of the Confederate? No, I didn't read it. God's looking at the heart. Yes, the government's stupid with your money. Just like you're stupid with your money. Right? Come on, how many admit it sometimes you're stupid with your money? Who's more stupid with their money? Point at them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Every once in a while I feel like, you know why I do that? Because you have more boldness when you're pointing at somebody else. And I want you to feel that boldness and then just do this. Right? Because it just feels like someone else is more guilty. You know? But, and not, not from the church. Listen, he, he's, and there's so many scriptures here. I'm not going to do in this. But he says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside of money, um, some of money. Can you say with me, in keeping with your income. And, and there was, and you see it in Acts 2, there was a, a money putting together where apostles, elders, leaders were given to distribute things and they were to um, help with ministry, those preaching the gospel. And there was a lot of different things in the New Testament like that. We're not bound by that curse. What we're bound more is give and that shall be what? 
given to you. When you rob the church, you're robbing of, because most churches will be run by a very small amount of people. A small portion that actually give. Ira did this research on giving. I'm not sure if he did all the research or just found it, but he showed it to us. And it was a statistic, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was basically if every church in America tied, we could end world hunger. I mean, there's that, there's that much difference that could be made. And, and I'm telling you, most people, when they think of giving to a cause or giving to Jesus feeds or giving to the gospel, or let's say we build a college or something like that, and people ask all the time, well, you know, how's it going with money with the college? I go, it's, in, it's, we don't have the faith for that. People, most of the time when they're giving, will dig in their pocket and find five bucks rather than in keeping with their income to say, you know what? And, and, and I've shared this. And I don't need to share it, share it. And don't take this as a bragging. I've seen my kids do this too. You know, Jody and I started with 10% when we were giving. And then we just bumped it. We don't give every, every t- over 10% to the church. But we give 10% and then we upped it to 20%. And then Jody and I just go, let's see how high we can go. And then we just, you know what? It was, it was amazing. The, the more we went, by the time we actually moved out here, we were able to live on very small amount. And, and the thing is, is that we were living good. We never missed it. God always came through for us. And then we just went to 30% and then 40%. And then we just started going, Lord, and I, and I watched this dynamic happen because you watch the people around you who can't even give the first fruit of, of God. And you think to yourself, they're always struggling. It's the way it goes. It's a sad thing. We see it all the way through the life of the church. And, and, and trust me, there's going to be a percentage of people that go, he just wants our money, he just wants to take it. And I'll tell you right now, that is wrong. It is absolutely nothing. And I have used to say, well, then just give it to some other church to show you that I don't care. Give it to some church in Thailand. But I realized that the scripture does talk about a storehouse, that there's something about bringing it to the people that you're working with. And I can't say that in good conscience. But I can tell you this. My wife knows that I'm not driven by it. And I'm thankful that God brought that deliverance in my life in my early years. There's two mistakes that happen in a church. One, you get a prosperity theology. You give and everyone's going to be rich. And you have the other side of poverty mentality. You know, it's like, you know, God just wants us to be poor and all that stuff. The best one is probably just the good stewardship theology. Be wise with your money. Make God first. I know it always looks like you don't have enough money to give. That's why it looks like that. And, And I'm telling you that the second you start to try it, God knows if you're trying it or not. He really does. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've met a hundred people, a thousand people that try giving for a week, two weeks, maybe a month. They're so excited the first two weeks. I'm doing it. Like, I'll see you in two weeks. You know, and, you know, and it's just like when people run into me at the store and they go, I'm sorry, I haven't been in church. Like, you think I'm counting? Like, you know what I mean? There's some, some of you, I, I, can't, I see, can't see everybody every week. You know, I, I don't know. But can I tell you, what's, what's important is 
if if you're not trusting God with your heart and your resources, you're going to turn to stealing. You're going to find some way. You're going to rob the government. You're going to, it's, it's the way you feel. It's because of the fact that you're out of control. You don't have God in charge of it. I love you guys. I'm serious. I want you to be blessed. I'm giving you my heart here. I'm giving you my whole soul in this. I beg you. Trust God with your money. I'm serious. E, not as a lifestyle. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. You feel good when you work, don't you? Feels good. You watch someone else build the fence. It's not the same as when you build the fence, right? You build the fence and you're going, hey, look at that fence. Someone else builds the fence. You're going, how much does that fence cost? Doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to give to those in need. He's going, you who are stealing, stop stealing and start working, right? It's going to be a blessed. Hard work leads to poverty. I mean, prosperity. It, it's a blessing. Diligent hands prosper. You work, and then all of a sudden he says, why? So they, then you can start giving. Why? Because then you'll start being like the Lord is. The Lord is constantly giving spiritual gifts. Some people sit on their spiritual gifts. They don't do anything about those. You know, and they wonder, and you wonder, why is the loser up there? Because all you talented people are still sitting down. Seriously, I've had times where God's put me in front, and I'm like taking charge, and God's going, you have leadership responsibility. And I go, man, there's a lot of better people than me out here. He goes, I know. (laughs) But I'm using you, Eric. And I'm totally comfortable with it. I know who I am, and I know I'm not. But you know what? You step out in faith, and God will meet you. All the other disciples are still in the boat. Peter's out in the water. He fell. Yeah, but he's out. You're in the boat. You know, when it it talks about the end of the age, when God finally brings judgment, one of the people he looks, looks at is cowards. And I think to myself, a coward. Lord, that's one I don't want to be. Amen? Don't steal it. Earn it. If you earn it, Give it. When you're trying to get advice about corporate theft, what you're stealing from the company, don't read Robin Hood. Read the Bible. Amen? All right. And there is something in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, especially when he was talking to them back in Exodus. It's not up there. But it says if you steal an ox or a sheep and you slaughter it, so you you didn't only steal it, but you went and cut it up and you started eating it with your family, you got to pay it back five to one. You know, you steal a, it was sheep, it was four to one on the sheep. Now, it doesn't mean if someone stole from you, you can't have grace. Amen? You may not understand this, but we're in a room full of thieves. Amen? And we're in a room full of murderers, in a sense. How many have had that anger and bitterness in your heart? How many of us have stolen? It doesn't mean that God wants to hold a grudge. I'm going to close this message with the thief on the cross. God has mercy for the thieves. Amen? But I want us to understand it and not pity-patty around it. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounded good. No pity-pattying, ever. No pity, no patty, neither one. Number two, don't steal from God. This is, you know, when when I started studying this and I started going through it, all the scriptures started going back to this. I'm going, 
the, 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 the command started with, like, don't steal from anyone else, and then it finishes off with where God's going, what I mean is me. And, and this is what he says, and this is, this is the, the Assyrians in about 722 B.C. took over the Israelites because they weren't obeying. And then the, that was the northern kingdom. And then the Judah all, also got sacked by the Babylonians. And now they're in exile. And then God's going to restore them, and then they're supposed to now start walking in his ways, and they don't. And, they, and then they start going, God, we're, going to, we're starting to get taken captive again. What's going on? And this is how he confronts them. This is so amazing to me. Because he says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and haven't kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. God's saying, take the step toward me. I'll take the step. Even in the New Testament, it doesn't say, if you stole, pay it all back with big, you know, interest. He just says, if you steal, just don't steal any longer, okay? If you've been committing this, just don't do that anymore. There's so much grace God gives us. And then they ask him. But you ask, he's give, asking them rhetorically. They're saying, how are we to return? Like, how is this supposed to happen? Next page. Look what he says. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? I mean, this is the God who delivered them over and over again. And I had someone talk to me after church. Do you know that God is also in charge of your debt? You have big old debt. You go, I can't get out of it. Make God in charge of your debt. Make him first. I see people struggle with their debt and they struggle with this. Get rid of that life. Trust God with your finances first resources. Trust him all the things and start putting it to right good stewardship. And you will watch that debt disappear like that. I don't care how big it is. It'll, it'll, it'll kick its butt. Amen? But they ask, how are we robbing you? Because they're asking, why are things going lousy for us? And he says, real simple, in tithes and offerings. Say it when you say tithes. That's the first fruit. And can you say offerings? Offerings. Like they, there was no giving to them. And he says, you're under a curse. Now, I already explained we're not under a curse. We're with Christ. Do I hear an amen? But we're looking at this historically and gleaning from it. He says, you're under a curse. You're the whole nation. He goes, why? They go, why? And he goes, because you're robbing me. Listen to what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You know, when, when Solomon, who ends up going into all kinds of sins, he built the Lord's house because it was on the heart of his dad. So he built it. And then it says, and then the next sentence is, and then he built his own house. And oh, he had to have the best furniture, the best everything, right? He wasn't going to go to R.C. Willie, you know? He had to go to the high-end place, you know? Every chair is, you know, 10,000 bucks, you know, fresh wood. But, you know, the Lord's house, eh, it was looking good. But listen, God doesn't see that first part. This is the principle. He doesn't see the first fruit as yours. He sees the first fruit as his. If you understand what I'm about to say, it will change your life. How many know you're not as holy as Jesus Christ? Okay, now say this word, say first fruit. I'm holding Jesus Christ. Is he more holy than you? Is he perfect in every way? Now I'm going to demonstrate him being offered to the Father on my behalf. 
Is he clean? Everyone say first fruit. Everyone say tithe. Now, because he's clean, the rest of us are clean. Do I hear amen? God says when we give that first portion, this is what he's telling the Israelites, as we give it to them first, the rest of your life will be clean. I'll clean it. I'll clean your resources. Don't worry about it. Prick the first for it and give it to me. <sighs> the, sad, the, the saddest thing that I ever do when I, I've, I've preached messages like this before, I know that most of you will not listen to me. Honestly, I tell you the truth. No matter what I say, no matter how I say it, no matter how I beg, I can cry and whine and do whatever I, I can. You will not, you, you, some people, there are some that will not listen to me. There are some that will follow me, follow exactly what I've said. They hear it in the scripture. They even feel God's conviction and they will do it for three weeks. They'll try this out. And God does say, test me in this, but it's not a testing that's a shot. It's a test in do it and you'll see. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll do it for four weeks and God knows exactly that you're going to do this for four weeks. He you know, this is not a commitment. It's like, you know, when you get married, hey, do you promise to love me as you're doing your vows? I do. I promise. I don't know how I'll feel in two weeks, but I promise to be with you in heart and soul. I love you. I won't kiss anyone else. Well, I might. I mean, if they're looking good, I mean, I don't know, you know, and, you know, but I'll be with you. I'm committing you now as best as I can. I'm giving you my heart. It sounds like an office episode, you know. <laughs> Can everyone say the whole time? This is what he's saying. And then look what he says. And, and understand the heart of God. All through the Old Testament, people wonder, they go, you know, how come God every once in a while destroys his people? It's very rare. It's very infrequent. But can I tell you, his whole heart is to bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. Look what he says. Imagine God going to the nation he wants to bless. He wants to make them a light to everything else. And he says, test me in this. Says, look at it and look at the words he uses. He uses the tetragrammaton there with almighty. He puts an extra emphasis on, on his name. The Lord Almighty. He's not saying, I'm Elohim, your God. I am the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. I'll pour it out so much you'll be blown away. And I'm telling you, whether I've not had money or had money, I live this life. I really do. I I am in this life. I, and, I can't, and I'm always amazed how God does things and provides things. And it's not like things are always abundant. That's not it. There's a prosperity. There's a blessing there that I can't explain. And it saddens me so much because every time we hear it, we ask people, they start struggling. I ask them, are you, I just ask them, are you putting God first in your finances? And they go, well, like, you checked your records? And no, I haven't checked your records. But I want to know. And they say, um... No. Well, kind of. Really, they haven't given in seven months, seven, eight months, two years. But you know what? And then they're wondering. Then they're asking me questions, like logical questions. Like, why do you think this is happening? Like, like and I really want to just say this. And just excuse me if I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just being honest. Are you stupid? Like, are you, like, do you not believe in God? Or are you stupid? Do you really think that you're going to grade against God's principles and get a win? It's like you know, the quarterback, what'd you do? I threw the ball to the other team on purpose. I don't know why we keep losing. 
you are going to watch from the sidelines for a while because we're not going to put you in the game because you're hurting everybody. You're stealing from God. And can I tell you something? You're stealing from yourself, which is my third point. I'm almost done here. Verse 11 Listen to what he says. And this is the details. God says, I'll go in the details because I know my boss did this and my company did that. And this is happening because of this. And you know the complainers. They always got a reason of why it's happening. Why is this happening? Well, you know, everybody else, that's why. I know you can point to 20 different things, but I'm telling you right here. God says, I'll prevent the pests from devouring the crops. You think God puts a net around your fields? No. God's in charge of everything. That's what you don't realize. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, and yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This should be the most encouraging thing to you. But I realize, and and trust me, and I'm just going to encourage you. I'm going to tell you and exhort you on something. If you're one of those people that you feel an emotional surge. You go, man, I've been struggling with this. I'm going to trust God. But you know it's only three weeks. I'm telling you, keep your money in your pocket. Save it. It's better for you just to know who you are so that when repentance comes, it'll be real than to you to deceive yourself and somehow give a little bit away. I'm telling you the truth. It will not help you. It will not bless you. It won't be free because you'll be controlled. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. That one, You have to let go of one and serve God. And then if you go into dire poverty, then there you go. And you go like this. Amen? And you trust God all the way down and you go, God's given me a garbage people ministry. Right? And I'm one of them. Praise God. And that's what you do. And then you just go downhill and you trust God. And you think God's really going to do that? It's the person, I'm afraid to go on missions. God's going to send me to some African place. Yeah, because they really need you there. (laughs) They can't wait till you get there. Wow, we really need them. Who can't stand us and doesn't want to come here and live our life. I think God can find somebody, don't you think? He can find somebody. The point is, why isn't your heart open to missions? Amen? Listen, skip that next slide, and I'm going to go to number three and close with this one. Don't steal from yourself. Listen, don't steal from, can you just say with me, others. Don't steal from, can everyone say, God. And the natural outcome of this is don't steal, can everyone say, from yourself. You're stealing from yourself. It's an act of unbelief. Do you want to know who the thief is? The thief is Satan coming to steal and to kill and destroy. He's the thief. But thank God, the Lord doesn't want us to be that. The opposite of stealing is earning. Another opposite or close to it of stealing is giving. And this is where, this is Jesus talking. I I love this. If you have a problem with the scripture, talk to Jesus about it. I I don't make, my quotes would be terrible. His quotes are pretty good. Give and it will be given to you. And I love this, a good measure, a good portion. And, you know, like you have this big bucket. God has this bucket, and he's got this big, it's a portion. It's all the way to the top. And he goes, and it's pressed down and shaken, because when you shake it, it go, you get more room to put more stuff in it. 
and it says it's shaken, and then it starts to get running over, and then it's like you're sitting at a park bench, and someone, wherever you're living, wherever you're going, all of a sudden, it's poured on you. Uh, we have a pastor that we're sending out, Greg Grigsby, out in Idaho. He's a church planner. His dad was a pastor, and I think his dad's, his dad's pastor was a pastor, but that doesn't mean anything. What really matters is that Greg is a generous person, always giving, constantly. And I've planted different churches with different experiences, but it was amazing. I, my eyes were open working with Greg. This is what it's like working with Greg. And, and I talked to his brother-in-law, and his brother-in-law says, Greg is so generous, and God takes care of him at every turn. I go, Greg, how's it going, man? So we got to, he goes, how much is it going to cost for the building? He goes, man, someone gave us a building. And I go, he goes, yeah, he is a miracle. Praise God. God got us a building. And he goes, yeah, and they're going to build it out, but we still have to pay for that. Next minute I get a call and he goes, yeah. He goes, it turns out that someone's part of my congregation. They died a few years ago, but if I planted a church, the money was in there for me to plant a church. It was $18,000 to help us build this out. And I go, praise God. <laughs> and he goes, but we don't have enough money to get the electrical done. We, we need that's the only thing. And so I get a text two days later. The electrical guy donated all the electrical equipment. I didn't even bring it up. I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, listen, I, I'm getting like a, a fourth of these miracles. One thing after another. I will tell you, it's like we get this mail. He's, got a, he's starting a base camp over there. He's got like 35 people signed up for it. God is doing some amazing things. I'm going to be there during, during the week next week helping out. But I am amazed just how our pastor is the same way, not the Daniel Brown she was talking about. By the way, you will, your life will change if you go to Daniel Brown, I promise you. He is one of the best communicators I've ever heard, ever. And, and he's an international speaker. We're awesome. It's amazing blessing to have him over here. But my pastor, Stuart, is like that. He's a giver in every way. Always. I mean, if you're sitting with him and going, I really like that. He goes, you want it? He's like that. I'm not kidding. I don't care if it's his iPad or if it's computer. He is absolutely generous. And God always takes care of him. You know, in the middle of Santa Clara, right in the middle of Santa Clara, where a a piece of land about this big is about 250,000, they pay about a $10,000 rent for like 20 acres How did that happen? Because God gives them favor. And I'm telling you, it's walking in favor. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured in your lap, wherever you are. It's like you're holding it with your your sweater, and it's just kind of falling down. And it says, for the measure you use. And this is the clincher. This is the empowerment. You want this for your kids. Hey, if you work hard, you'll see prosperity. If you do this, this is the promise that God's given you. He says the measure. If you measure like this, then I'll measure that. You measure like this. And there's so many people that measure like this. And I go, that's how big your God is? Well, we tried, but it didn't work. God knew when you first did it, whether you're, you're in it for the good or not. The measure you use, everyone say with me, will be. It will be. Thank you. Can you say it will be? It'll be the measure you receive or the measure used with you. So if you use this measure, then the measure will be used back on who? You. You start to use this little tiny measure. What's going to happen to you? You. You. 
You start to cut it to nothing, what's going to happen to you? Nothing. Here's the truth. Most of you won't believe me. I've been in this a long time. I come out here and I plead. And people will think I have bad motives, or they think that the scriptural interpretation, they razzle-dazzle it, try to go around it. Some reason. I tell you again, it's fear. (sighs) There's nothing I can do about it. I pray that God would open your eyes, give you eyes to see and ears to hear. I really do. And I, trust me, I, I know that I, can, I have giftings that I can stir you. And that won't be enough. It'll stir you, and that'll be the end of it. And if you think that the only the motive at all would be to us to raise more money, I'm telling you, we're doing fine. It has nothing to do with that. There was no shortage this month, nothing like that. It has nothing to do with it at all. It has to do with everything about you. Do you know what kind of light we can be in this place if we had a church that trusted God? Not was compelled to give, like I got to give, because compulsory, but just said, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my resources. This is what the Israelites were challenged with. I think we can glean lessons from this. Do you agree? And I think we ought to saturate it. Father, we come before you, and I thank you, Lord. And Lord, I, I know, I believe this is a prophetic word that you gave me for our body. I know that. I sensed it last week. I had no idea that this is what you wanted to do. But I believe it's what you told me. And you put it in my heart. And I'm not going to back off to make someone else feel better off what I think the word is. For some of you, this is an opportunity where the Lord's saying, okay, if you don't walk in this, I'm going to give you over to your own ways. That's it. And that's the way it is. And there are some of you that will listen to the sound of my voice, and it won't be many, but it'll be some. That you'll hear me, and it's not just me speaking, but you'll hear the Lord speaking to you. And the Lord's saying, you trusted me with your life. You've trusted me with your time. You've trusted me with your heart. Trust me with your resources. Not a trial. Just engage. I will provide for you. I will always provide for you. You will never see God's people begging for bread. The scripture is so clear. Because you can always turn to the life of the body. You can always turn to each other. And God wants to pour out on you such a blessing that you won't be able to contain it because you'll be blown away by it. Because God's goodness is so for you. He's not against money. He's against the love of money. We don't need to love it. We need to let it go. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. If I'm not going to look up. It's between you, and I want to ask that you, that no one looks up all around this room. It's a private moment. But if you're one of those people that at the beginning, you've heard this, you know you're going to be good for two to three weeks, but this is your MO. You're not going to go any further. We just admit that to God. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, that's me. That's what I do. Just raise your hand. Be honest to God. It's called repentance. Lord, this is, this is, your, this is the way you operate. You've seen it in your own life. You don't even trust yourself. And Lord, I, I pray for these people that you'd minister to them and those that are afraid to raise their hand. Lord, there's fear all over the place.
I know it. Lord, I pray that you deliver them from their fears. Money's got a hold of them. It's got them captive. It, it's the boss. Oh, how sad. Lord, deliver them from that, Lord, unhappiness. Lord, from the misery of it. Lord, deliver them from it. That God, the mammon, the spirit of money, mammon, would not be their ruler in any way. Deliver them in the name of Jesus. Be delivered by the power and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, set the captives free. And there are some here that you listen and you're ready today. The Lord spoke to you and you're not turning back. You're not going to be the person of compromise. You say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my resources. I'm not going to be the thief. If that's you, I'm not going to look up, I promise you. I want you to just raise your hand to God. Just raise your hand to God and say, Lord, I commit myself. I open my heart to your ways. I'm going to trust you. I'm never going to turn back. It's not a trial period. It's my life from now on. Whether I have $10 or $10 million, it's yours, Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand up to God and commit it to him. And Lord, we commit this group to you. Lord, I believe that you have a blessing to blow them away. I pray that you, and not because I make it up and not because I'm a prosperity preacher. It's because I read it in your word and I believe what you say. And I pray that you would pour it out in abundance in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, when the time comes of waiting and testing, that they would persevere. And I pray that you pour out your abundance. And last of all, maybe you've been caught in thieving just in general and you need forgiveness, I'm going to remind you that Jesus Christ told the thief on the cross who turned to him, and he says, remember me in my kingdom. And he says, he says, today, I tell you, I'll tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. God took the thief, he took the drug dealer, he took the crier, and he gave him forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And if you're that person who needs that forgiveness, just between you and God, Raise your hand and say, Lord, forgive me for my life of crime. I need forgiveness. Remember me in your kingdom, Lord. Remember my ways. I Forgive me my ways, my thieving ways. Listen, I, I got my hand up. I know. I know who I've been. Just put your hand up. Be honest with God. And just say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for paying for this sin and the sins I've committed in my heart. And Lord, teach me to trust you with my finances, your provision, that I don't need to go down that road that you have the right life for me and you'll open the right doors and prosperity when it's right. And I trust you in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Hey, how, how many of you felt like God spoke something to you today? Lord willing. Good. Amen. Be blessed. Next week, we're going to have a, a very deep one, but very blessed one. We'll talk next week. God bless you. Invite somebody.